0: Hey folks, welcome to the Sermon MP3 from Lawson Heights Alliance Church, and this is Sunday, January 9, 2022, and today we continue our series called All the Hope We Do Not Yet Fully See. It's based on Galatians 5, and today the message is entitled, Running Good. Yeah, I know, grammatically it doesn't sound right, but you'll understand when you hear it. God bless you as you listen. Well, how is this new year treating you all so far? good. (laughs) A few goods and awesomes, that's great. I was talking with a guy my age around New Year that said that uh, he was going to take up running for a New Year's resolution. Uh, I said, outside? And he goes, "Uh, yeah. And I said, well, good luck with that. (laughs) Probably should have been a little bit more motivational. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah. But I, I wasn't very motivational. But serious, isn't there a better way to get in shape uh, or to make a New Year's resolution than to have to get up early on January mornings and put on like 15 pounds and layers of clothes just so that you can say that you kept your New Year's resolution? I don't know. How long would it be before that New Year's resolution would last for you. I'm not too sure for me, but uh, SunDried is an athletic clothing company that makes base layers. I don't know if you know what base layers are. There are special layers of clothing that go on under your clothing so that they keep you warmer when you're doing exercise outside. And they, this company called SunDried, they make this kind of clothing for outdoor winter athletes. And they conducted a survey of 4,000 people and found that 43% of them expected to give up their goal after one month. That's not very promising, isn't it? And this is from athletes. So you know what they call people who love to run in the winter for fitness, right? Delusional, yeah, or crazy. I tried running in the winter about 10 years ago, and... It wasn't very fun, and I said, I'll never do that again. So whatever, it turns out I'm not a runner, and you probably could tell that by looking at me. I know, I get it, but uh, actually one of the reasons I don't like to run outside, I, I do have a treadmill at home, and once in a while I get back on that thing, but I'm built like my dad. And I don't remember a lot about my dad. My dad died when I was a boy, but I remember what he looked like when he ran. The keys jingling in his pocket and his dress socks and dress shoes. And I I didn't like that. I wasn't very graceful. And I'm sure I look just like that. So I don't run uh, very well outside, and I probably won't. But today we're going to talk a little bit about running. We're going to talk about running a bit. And that's because we're in a series in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Last week, we looked that there were some men who were called Judaizers. These were people who were convincing the Galatian Christians, uh, converts of Paul... That after accepting Christ as their savior, they should also keep the laws of Moses, the laws of Judaism, things like circumcision and the laws uh, around the Sabbath and around things like ceremonial washings and clean and unclean foods in order to guarantee their salvation. And and that's why Paul's instruction to the Galatian Christians was in chapter 5 verse 1. He says, listen, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In other words, don't let anyone convince you to give up your freedom, the freedom you have in Christ, for a life of rule-keeping religion again. He tells them to stop listening to anyone who would say that the gospel is Jesus plus something else. That's a heresy, he says. Because it it makes Christ of of no value at all in your life. He says it alienates you from Christ. And it shows that you have fallen away from the grace of Christ. Say this after me. I am totally free in Christ. Christ. Not partially partially free. free. Not mostly free. But totally free in Christ. That's the gospel that that Paul preaches to the Galatians. And, And our new reality is the same. And it's because we have put our faith in Jesus that we are right now and forever declared righteous by God. We are fully accepted by him because of his unearnable favor and grace. Amen? Now the fullest reality of that righteousness is yet to come. When Christ returns and we finally physically stand before the Lord, then, for, but for now, for now, we wait for that day, that great day of the Lord. By faith, not by works, we depend on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to get us from today to that day. And what a day that will be. Aren't you looking forward to that? And then my encouragement to you last week was to stop beating up on yourself and burdening yourself with obligations to please God, to give yourself the freedom to live by the grace that God has given you, and in return, just love him. No other obligation, just love. And second of all, my encouragement to you was to stop beating up on and burdening others with obligations and Christianized rules. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit to to them in their lives. Like you, it might take them a little while to learn that, to get in step with the grace given them, but give them that time, just like the Lord gives you that time, right? That's what God does for you, so return the favor. So let's read uh, today Galatians 5. We're going to look at verses 7 to 12 today okay you got that there's bibles in the pew if you didn't bring one with you today and as always if you don't have a bible please feel free to take one of those bibles that are in the pew we'd love for you to have it all right galatians 5 verses 7 to 12 paul says you are running a good race so who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough I'm confident in the Lord that you will, take, you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, then why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, as a nice way I think he put it there, probably reads different in the Greek. He says, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. We'll look at that a little bit later. From this part of chapter 5, we'll see three ways that we can stray from grace living. And ways in which we can run gooder. I, I, the, the grammar legalists among us here are going, what, gooder? That's not right. Well, too bad. We'll find out. Point number one for today. Oh, the text got a little smaller. When people try to rob you of living in God's grace, it should tick you off. When people try to rob you of living in God's grace, it really should tick you off. Galatians 5, and let's read 7 to 8 again. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Do you ever remember what it felt like to have someone butt in line ahead of you, you ever, ever have that experience, maybe in, in school or something? I remember once there was a boxing day sale at CompuSmart. It used to be on, on Circle Drive across from the brick. I wanted the Corel Draw software package, and they were having a really good boxing day sale on it, and they advertised it as limited quality, quantities, not quality, quantities. But my brother-in-law was up for Christmas for that weekend, and, uh, or for that week, I don't remember what time of the week it was, but he, he said that he would go with me. I said, well, you know, I'm going pretty early because it's limited quali- quantities, and he said, yeah, yeah, no, I'll come with you. So we get there a little over an hour early, and there's already a lineup all the way around the building. So an hour we wait, and we're getting a little chilly, but finally, it's like a minute to nine, and guess what happened? A small group of people came and they butted in near the front of the line, pushing our line back, and they just justified it by saying, oh, some of our friends were holding our place in line. And what grade four answer do you think we gave them? Get to the back of the bus, right? Get to the back of the bus. Because it ticks you off when someone does something like that when you're trying to obey the rules. I mean, we couldn't stay in our car and keep warm. They thought they could and still get in ahead. No, it wasn't going to happen. Back of the bus. Well, the Apostle Paul chimes in after what we learned last week, and he interjects a sports parallel. He says in verse 7, you were running a good race, so who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Paul isn't ticked off with the Galatians. They were the ones, they, they were young in their faith, and instead he compliments them. You were doing good. You were doing so well. His critique was for those who cut in on them with a Jesus plus something else gospel. And it kept them from obeying the real gospel. That is, by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works so that no one can boast. And boy, he has more to say than just back of the bus to this group of people, to those who cut in on the Galatian Christians. We'll look at that in just a little bit. Like the Galatians, When you started your Christian journey, what won you over to Jesus? It was no doubt his invitation to have your sins forgiven freely, once and for all, right? Something you knew that you couldn't do for yourself. That was a gift of God, and that's how you had to accept it. And probably whoever told you the gospel tried to reinforce that to you. And when you finally committed your life to Jesus, you sighed a sigh of relief And you wondered how he could forgive a sinner like you. But he did, didn't he? And you knew it. You felt it. And it felt good. But it didn't take long. For most of us, this is our experience. It didn't take long for some to try to cut in on your good start. And tell you that there were certain things you had to jump over. A few religious rules of some spiritual activities or some moral hurdles that you had to do. I was saved when I was in the early 80s. And in the beginning of the early 80s, I grew up in, a, in the faith in a, in a city that had a Bible college in it. And two years after believing, I entered that Bible college and studied for this role that I have here now. Now, I think the church and the college in Regina was still kind of reeling from the permissiveness of the 70s, 60s and 70s. But the church's response was to kind of clamp down with rules on dress code, uh, approved hair length, approved worship songs, attendance in church, tithing, and for sure, no movies or alcohol. And during the late 70s and 80s, churches promoted a particular international ministry that helped reinforce those legalistic demands through certain seminars that they offered. Now, don't get me wrong, 20 years later and two years after, uh, I came here and... I was reprimanded by a couple of people. They're no longer here anymore, so I can tell the story. I was reprimanded by a couple of people here at Lawson because I put up posters in the lobby that encouraged people to go to the theater to see The Passion of the Christ. Now, to their credit, there wasn't anything wrong with The Passion movie that bothered them. What it was is that they thought that people, they worried about what people would think of them as Christians if, if they went to the theater. It bothered them that people would think that what they would what they would think of Christians if they saw them at the theater, and that kind of ticked me off i was I was mad that someone had cut in on their spiritual journey and had robbed them of the freedom that they had in Christ. but as mad as I was i- wa- I remembered back at my wedding. it was a great time by the way don't don't think it wasn't but but you know what at our wedding, we deliberated constantly about whether we should have a dance or not at our wedding and we didn't want to have a dance because we were a bit worried about what other Christians would think of us as a Christian couple so I've let others cut in on my freedom too and not just in those areas I'm very conscious of the fact that there are people who because I'm a pastor there will be people who will take what I say and go meh whatever but I know that there are also people who will take what I say as gospel truth And when it comes to the gospel, I hope they do. But when it comes to my own personal preferences and opinions on things, on what is allowable Christian behavior, my hope is that people will listen more to their Bibles and to the Spirit of God than to me. Because I get caught in those kind of ruts once in a while of what I think is acceptable. So this is our framework here, this book. And that's what we're going to look at more next week. So yeah, people... When people try to rob you or others of living in God's grace, that should tick you off. Because it's more than just bad sportsmanship. It's heresy. And it can ruin the joy in your journey with Christ. As Paul says in verse 8, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. In other words, God. In other words, the Jesus plus something else gospel isn't from God. So don't believe it. And don't stand for it. Paul says, you didn't hear that Jesus plus something else gospel from me. So take your stand and live the real gospel. And I would hope that your anger would cause you to do some personal self-evaluation. Where have others cut in on me and stopped me from obeying the truth of the gospel of grace? And as a result, have I ever cut in on someone else's run with Jesus? With my own rules and expectations. The purpose for that self-evaluation is to keep you from becoming, unintentionally becoming, a Christian legalist. But also to stop you from becoming a Christian zealot. Someone who attacks and calls out anything that they don't like about the church. And we've got enough of that in the world. Just have to look at YouTube. Please don't look at YouTube. Galatians 5.1 says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Amen? That's our basis. The second way that we can run gooder and not stray from the grace-filled living that Christ died for is this. Number two, know the difference between ready and already. Know the difference between ready and already. Verse 9, a little yeast goes through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. In the 30 years that I've been a pastor, I've had the joy of being able to hear and pray for and counsel a lot of people in their spiritual journey. It's one of my favorite things to do. That pew ministry there, I love that. I love it when I get to see the lights go on in people's eyes and and with the masks, that's about all we can see now. But uh, I love it when I see them catch on to the Scriptures and some, a truth from God's Word finally hits them and they go, aha, that's a wonderful time. And when it lights up and it changes their worldview and it take, changes the way they take on the challenges of life. And the ready, already mindsets are just such a thing. It helps a believer move from positional freedom to practical freedom. See, there is a difference between getting ready to be free and being already free. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. There is a difference between being ready, or between getting ready to be free and being already free. The mindset starts probably a lot before people even come, become Christians. Many people struggle with becoming a Christian because they think there's something that they have to do to become ready to become a Christian right something in their life in their past that they have to clean up and they have to clean up their acts somehow to get ready for God i think their past uh, prevents they think that their past prevents them from accepting from God accepting them and they're right it's true without faith in jesus we are all objects of god's wrath and by nature we are enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior but friend There is nothing that a person can do. There's nothing any one of us can do to become ready for full acceptance by God. Nothing we can do to clean up our act or make amends for things we've done. That's what the grace of God is for. It is a gift, it's not something earned by us. He gives it freely. And until they believe that, they will never exercise the faith that is necessary to receive God's grace and step over the line and become a Christian. But, if they can believe that, then once they believe, many new Christians will waffle back and forth between uh, feeling saved. You know? Have you felt that? Where you don't really feel worthy of God's attention and acceptance and worthiness? And so you try whatever you can do to better your behavior, to make yourselves ready to be acceptable by God still. When in reality, their faith in Jesus already makes them worthy. God's grace makes them already worthy. You, if you believe in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you are already worthy. There's nothing you can do to make yourself ready. So there's a difference there that you have to learn. They, they, then it is a matter of understanding your identity now in Christ, your position. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has already come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ... Verse 21, God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Friend, this is the mindset that you need to develop as a Christian. There is nothing you can do to be ready to be reconciled before God or to be righteous enough to stand before God every day. Jesus has already done that for you and The Christian journey is all about learning to grab hold of that full acceptance that he's already purchased for you and to live your life based on it. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So, Jesus has already done all that for you. You are already righteous in Christ. Isn't that good news? See, if you don't get that, you will always struggle with the freedom you have in Christ. And that will make you struggle with how close you feel to God. I don't know how many times I've had people say, I just don't feel all that close to God. Well, I I bet it would narrow down to this. Are they trying to get themselves ready to be accepted by God? Or are they grabbing on to already being accepted by God? It makes the difference. See, if you don't get that, you will always struggle to find freedom in Christ. This is why the Galatians were being deceived by the Judaizers they wanted to please God they wanted to be accepted by God, but they didn't get that they were already accepted by God And because of that bad mindset playing off a false position in Christ It spread through the church and that's why Paul said in verse 9 a little yeast goes through the whole batch of dough Now being already free in Christ is not about my personal liberties It moves into other practical areas of our relationships with others I've had conversations with people over the years who in the past have been in conflict with other people. And they tell me that they're not ready to forgive those people. Or worse yet, they can never forgive them. Let me just say that if you're trying to get ready to forgive another person, then you're not forgiving them. God has already forgiven you. And if you have, as if you had never sinned, So why are you acting like you can't forgive someone else? Saying, I'm not ready to forgive them yet. Do we have that right in Jesus for all that he's done for us? God doesn't see you for what you did in the past. He sees you for what he made you to be. And by his blood, he has already made you righteous. So it's important that you change your mindset to an already mindset. When faced with challenges like forgiving a brother, you need to learn to say, I'm already forgiven in Christ. So I need to respond to my brother with the same forgiveness that Christ has granted me freely. I just need to give it freely. I've been where you are. I, I, I've wrestled with unforgiveness myself, I've wrestled, I've wrestled with not feeling worthy of God's love. We all do. But you really have to grab hold of this mindset. And that's why I always need to monitor my self-talk, I think. Because how I see myself in Christ affects how I will live out my freedom in Christ. We need to see ourselves like God sees us. It's important that you come to God from the position he sees you from, not for the weak position you see yourself as. Friend, you are no longer a slave to your old nature anymore. The old is gone, Paul said in 2 Corinthians. You are now a new creation in Christ. And the Bible very affirms this. That is a work done by God. And learning to face challenges with an already free mindset will pave the way to a fuller Christian experience for you. So grab hold of that today. Learn the self-talk of already being free. Number three. Be careful of they say. Oh, There goes that font again. Be careful of they say. Galatians five ten to 12. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. It seems that Paul is suggesting that the one who is throwing the Galatians into confusion is telling everyone that Paul agrees with him. How often have you heard in kind of the webosphere or different places in your life the phrase, they say? Have you heard that before? They say? They say is used to justify a position or belief that we want to promote as fact. And so we kind of throw up a, well, you know, they say and they say, is especially strengthened if you can find an expert or uh, a rich celebrity or uh, you can find a doctor to validate your claim. Most of the time, they say, is an exaggeration. Sometimes it's even an outright lie. When it comes to things that I'm seeing on on Facebook and the Internet, I will usually go to, uh, when it comes to the Internet's top posts and rumors, I usually go to a, a website called Snopes.com, S-N-O-P-E-S. And it, it just kind of fact-checks things. It's a, if you're looking for biblically-based responses on things, then you go to your Bible. People use, they say, to pass on some information that they've read on the Internet, and if enough people are passing it around, and if they can quote an expert, it gives greater credibility to what others w- are believing. And that's what was happening in Galatia. They were saying, Paul agrees with us. They say. And so Paul sets the record straight and he promises a penalty for those false claims. He says, the one who is throwing you into into confusion will pay the penalty. And then he adds, verse 12, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. That's pretty strong language. But it backs up the first point. When people try to rob you of living in God's grace, it should tick you off. Remember, the Judaizers were teaching the Galatians that they needed to add the works of the law to their newfound faith in Jesus in order to prove that they're saved. And they seemed to be especially fond of this this whole circumcision thing. Now, I don't think I need to explain circumcision to you, um, except that it was then an identifying mark proving that they were God's chosen people, Israel. And it was part of the old covenant that they circumcised their boys as of the eighth day. To mark them, to show that they are of Israel. Paul isn't saying circumcision is wrong. I mean, you can't reverse a circumcision. But if you're getting or demanding circumcision as a necessary requirement for salvation, well, then it does, doesn't matter how many they says you have. It's still heresy. It's still a Jesus plus something else gospel, and that's a heresy. So Paul says, if they think it's necessary, then I wish they'd go the whole way and castrate themselves to prove how really committed they are to the Lord. And I don't think they were going to go that way. They say is still a problem in the church today, in some churches. Whole churches can get caught up in rule-keeping and legalism. It just depends on how popular the they that promotes it is. There are also other forms of they say. There's a lot of they say rumors on YouTube and Facebook that think it's their responsibility to call out the different Bible teachers and pastors that they say are teaching false teaching. And just, yeah, just stay away from Facebook and and YouTube for that kind of stuff they say, is also huge in regards to things like end times predictions in the church. Suppose Christian end times experts were making all kinds of claims around the last Trump-Biden election. And they were making all kinds of end times predictions that things that they were reading in the newspaper became prophecies. And they didn't turn out. Biden got elected. Trump didn't. But because it was people on TV or people who wrote a few books about the end times or people that they trusted with these claims, they got caught up in them themselves. And you started to hear the buzz. Did you, did you hear what they said? They say it was huge around the time of the Trump-Biden election, as I said. But don't get me wrong. I'm not... I'm not opposed to prophecy. You know I believe in prophecy. But there is a responsibility that we have in dealing with the prophetic. When we hear a they say statement, we need to test it by the word of God, not by popular opinion, not by Facebook or TV, not by the news. We need to test it by the word of God. From this part of chapter 5, we've seen that when we, stay, when we stray sorry, from grace-filled living, We fail to run in a way that is worthy of the cross, in a way that brings joy to our Christian journey. And if you want to run gooder, you have to come to grips with what Jesus has already done for you and why he saved you and for what end. And when, number one, people try to rob you of living in God's grace, it should tick you off. Knowing the difference between ready and already is a necessity in the Christian life. You are already free in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And be careful of they say in every way that it comes across in the church. Be careful of crowd think and popular opinion. Do not get your your approval from the masses. Get your approval solely on God and his word. And the Apostle Paul says in verse 10, when it comes to the complete freedom that you now have in Christ, verse 10, he says, I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. And I am confident that you will not take any other view other than it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, there is so much to our faith is still so much of a mystery to us. So much of the gospel still confounds us. Like, I mean, how could Jesus leave the perfections of heaven and come to live among us, to be like us, to be us? How, how and Why? How is it that Christ died on that cross for us? How is it that when he was making that fateful trip through the streets of Jerusalem and he drops that crossbeam, that he doesn't just say, if you push me one more time or if you whip me one more time, I'm getting up and leaving this place. How is it that we can be so blessed to have such a free gospel given to us? That the only thing you require of us is faith. Just believe it and love me. So, Lord, help us in our day-to-day to not wrestle with the figuring it out. Help us, Lord, to learn to live by faith. Help us to just accept it and to believe it and to live it. For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That is the most powerful thing in the universe. And today, Lord, we just say thank you for allowing your son to do such an incredible thing for such unworthy people as us. And we love you, and we want to live by you and for you. So help us from this day forward to live in such a way that we are already free. So that we can bring joy to not only our journey, but joy to the journey of others. Thank you for this time in your word. In Jesus' name.